This podcast is brought to you by DC Music Publishing. Find out more at dcmusicpublishing.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Behind the Music Business podcast. My name is Danny Champion and this is my little independent music industry focused podcast where I talk to a whole range of different people throughout the music business uh, about how they got their jobs, about how they started in the business, about what they've learned throughout their journey in the business and a whole bunch of stuff in between. Uh, This week's episode is with Deborah Smith of Anara Publishing. Anara Publishing is the sister company of Horus Music and me and Deborah chatted about a whole range of stuff, uh, including the fact that Anara and Horus are based in Leicester and not in London, and how that impacts things on how she started in the music business, uh, her time at university uh, at the University of Hud- Huddersfield, and how she got her start in the industry, who Horus and Anara are. Um, as well as starting a music publishing company because Anara is only about five years old. And we also talked about the way that Anara and Horus have dived into setting up their business in India and working with a whole range of Indian songwriters and Indian artists and things like that. Uh, It was a really interesting conversation. It was really nice to meet Deborah. I hadn't met her before, so this is one of those really cool opportunities where I got to meet someone for the first time. Uh, so yes, um, I'll shut up now, and you can sit back and listen to my conversation with Deborah Smith of Anara Music Publishing. <laughs> How is everything going? Yeah, it's going good. Things are a bit hectic. I've ended up being out of the office um, quite a bit over the past month. And so I'm just sort of like catching up on, on stuff, but I've had a productive day, so all good. So the offices are in Leicester? Leicester. Yeah. 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 And uh, we'll probably talk about it a little bit later, but you've been gallivanting around India. I have, I have yes. It's not a a bad thing to be able to do for work, is it? (laughs) No, no, it's very nice. I hadn't been able to go for like two years, so um, it was nice to go back over travel again. It's definitely something that I want to kind of chat about and find out kind of the thought processes and how all that's going. Um, But the the first question I've got is how how do you and everybody at Anara find not being based in London? That is a really good question. I think, to be honest, I've never really seen it as much of a barrier because um, the train to London from here is literally just over an hour. So um, definitely pre-pandemic, even though I don't really want to talk about the pandemic too much. uh, (laughs) I was kind of... Yeah, I was kind of, um, you know, going to London at least a couple of times a month, if not more than that, um, to either catch up with people or um you know with various sort of commitments with the work the mpa that i do mm-hmm. um so yeah like i've never really seen it as much of a problem obviously that like, we kind of miss out a bit on that kind of like community of people going out and meeting up in the pub and going for gigs and things like that but i feel like i've still managed to sort of make good connections having not lived in london mm-hmm. um, have you you've never like, been based in london at all no, no, it's kind of like one of those things where, yeah, when I was sort of starting out in the industry, I was kind of like, I'm not really sure I want to live in London. I quite like yeah. living, living in the Midlands. So, <laughs> yeah. Are you from that part of the world? I am, originally? yeah, born and raised. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it just, so I'm based in Bristol and oh, nice. I kind of, my, 
my current existence, I bounce between Bristol and Manchester. So oh, nice. pretty much everybody that I talk to from an artist perspective or in my guise as a tutor, lecturer, whatever you want to call it, I get a lot of questions going, what is there for me here? Do, do, I, do I not have to just go to London? I want to work, you know, I want to, I want to work at a record company. I want to work at a management company. I want to work in publishing or, or anything. Do I have to go there? And I feel like it's, it's becoming less and less necessary. And I think, yeah. you know, again, not talking about the pandemic too much, but I think. It has helped though. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have you found that think... it's easier to, to, to make the connections digitally like this? Yeah, I think people are way more up for doing like a Zoom call these days mm -hmm. um, than sort of before. So yeah, I don't really think, obviously like there's not that many companies based in sort of like the Midlands sort of as a, in a music aspect. But but yeah, I feel like we're still pretty well connected, even though we don't live in London. And I get like the countryside, which is quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, is, is, that another, is that another real like positive about being where you are, that you are kind of, you've got... Uh... A little bit of a monopoly over an area of the country you know that that local or you know artists creators who are local to that part of the world find you first or... yeah i guess so yeah but i think even sort of looking at our roster we only work with like a handful of people um that are based sort of leicestershire or birmingham or sort of around this area and then everyone else is in scattered all across the world so again right. like we don't really have like a focus on necessarily just the local area but yeah i guess um yeah there's not that many people um if there's an artist based here that was looking for a publisher or distributor there's you know there isn't really anybody else so how how does it all this stuff begin how does your how does your relationship to music start are you a musician yourself yeah i mean i was when i was younger i think from a very young age, I always knew that I wanted to do something within music. I was never really sure what that was going to be. Um, and neither of my parents are musicians, but we were always just surrounded by music. They'd be playing music just yep. all the time at home or in the car and sort of introduced to, um, to lots of different bands and what stuff of, as I was growing up. What sort of stuff so, were you being introduced um, to? So my, my mum's a massive Blondie fan um, okay. and she still maintains to this day that I'm not named after Deborah Harry. Um, <laughs> which, <laughs> I'll let her answer that one. <laughs> um, so yeah, lots of Blondie. My dad loves um, kind of like 70s, 80s, um, like rock. He's a big fan of the jam. And also okay. just like, I, you know, as a kid growing up in the 90s, so a lot of Britpop and all of that kind of stuff. And like my parents would take me and my sister to watch like local bands down the pub and stuff okay, like that. So cool. I think, yeah, so I sort of like picked up playing the guitar when I was about nine years old and was in like bands with people at school and things like that, but kind of figured that I wasn't really one for like being on stage. So I never really wanted to like pursue being um, sort of like a performer. Right. But I knew that I wanted to be involved in music in some way. And that kind of led me to um, going to university and studying music production at the University of Huddersfield. Okay. So that's where it, it kind of all stemmed from. So that was, you, you'd had a, uh, a relationship with playing live, but you went and you wanted to, you know, that was kind of recording stuff, being in a studio, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I sort of like, I still at that age when I was sort of like 17, 18, wasn't, I, I never knew that I was going to work in publishing, that's for sure. Um, I don't think anybody yeah, when just... they're that young. <laughs> no, no. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, I thought the course was really good at Huddersfield Uni, the facilities and the studios were just incredible. Right. And um, the course was so good that it had like a good variety of, of stuff to get stuck into, whether that was just the studio side of things or like um, composition or radio production mm -hmm. and all of like quite hands-on getting to know how things work on, you know, live production and things like that. And then something that really kind of drew me to that course was the fact that they did um, an industry placement year in the third year. Okay. So I, I kind of knew that going forwards, to have that like one year internship under my belt already was going to you know, sort of set me up later on in my career. And mm -hmm. it ended up actually 
just being like a really pivotal moment for me because it kind of led me to where I am today anyway yeah um yeah so what's what's Huddersfield like as a music town or music city yeah there's a nice little scene there's a few like a couple of live venues I haven't been back in a few years um but I think like bars like Parish and things like that have actually taken over bigger premises now and they have quite a lot of um like mid-range bands kind of going there and obviously like we were just a short train ride from Leeds, Sheffield, Manchester. I was going to say you, it um, kind of feels places, like this so. this little place in the middle of three really big kind of cultural music cities yeah. as well so you can kind yeah. of get a little bit lost but then you've from being there you've got access to Manchester, you've got access to Sheffield yeah. and there's always some pretty mad stuff going on. Yeah, places. it was a really nice place to, to live and to study. I think, like, yeah, I've never really had that, like, big city um, experience, but it was it was nice to kind of to go there and then have, like, the access, like you said, to all of the, the bigger cities up there, but still live in something that's a little bit smaller. Um, but, yeah, it was a great time. And even though I'm not doing anything in, like, production, I definitely, like, don't regret doing that degree at all. Mm -hmm. It's kind of opened so many doors for me. What was the what was the business side of the degree like? Or, or was, <laughs> so we was did not... we did one business module right at the end of our final year, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, just trying to like set us up. And and yeah, I mean it was fine. A lot of it was sort of based upon um, Donald Passman's book. Oh, we need to know about the music business. I think it's called. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of just like regurgitated from there. Basically, if you read that book, you would pass the exam and you'd be fine. You um, know a lot about the American music business. Yes. Yeah. Which was, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, a bit of an issue. Um, and I always remember like my lecturer in that module just saying to us, you know, publishing as a musician's bread and butter. And we're all just like, yeah, but why? <laughs> like, please tell us why. Um, but no, it was still great. Um, I still, you know, learned a lot. And I think that I'd done my placement before that. So I kind of knew a bit more about the industry going into that module. So, um, but yeah. What was the I'm, placement? I'm, so I actually did the um, placement at Horus Music, which right. is, yeah, sister company to yeah, Anara, yeah. which is kind of what led me to where I am today. So I, um, I kind of knew that financially I wouldn't be able to go and do an unpaid placement in London, which is what the norm was 10 yeah. years ago, 12 years ago, however long it was now. Um, so that kind of led me to looking at companies that are local sort of Leicester area, maybe mm -hmm. Birmingham, um, so that I could go and live at home for a year and, right. and still be able to do the do the industry placement. Um, and that just led me to find Horus Music, um, which was really great because there's so many like synergies. So Nick, our CEO, he went to Huddersfield University as well. Right. So it was kind of all just like fell into place and it was just like really nice. I had a chat with him and and yeah, it was really um, it was such a such a good year and set me up so well. I learned so much. Um, obviously they're a distribution label services company. So I learned all about that part of the industry, which I had no idea how that operated and how mm -hmm. artists got their music on Spotify and, and things like that. Um, I got to go to Medem for the first time um, yeah, yeah. as an intern, you know, as a 20 year old, it was just like an amazing opportunity to go and just like meet lots of people and connect and sort of start building up my network. Um, and actually, towards the end of my placement Nick ended up going into hospital for some surgery and I ended up actually running the company for a little while on my own as well so yeah. it was yeah it was um you know it was a challenging year but it was it was so good for me in the long run and you know like I said going to Huddersfield doing that degree and sort of getting me on this path like mm -hmm. it all just it all just fell into place and that path starts from you looking for a music company that was close by and that's yeah. that, that was the parameters it wasn't yeah. a, I liked I'd like to work in this or I'd like to learn a bit more or that's a thing that exists now I should probably learn a bit about that it was just where can I get to from from my, yeah. my family home and kind of yeah the rest is history yeah yeah and I ended up you know I got offered a full-time job when I finished the internship so I went back to uni finished my final year and then started working at Horace full time. And then that's, you know, been it from there and sort of went into a more kind of like management role, looking after the distribution team and liaison with our DSP partners and all of that kind of stuff. And then literally Nick came to me one day, just came up to my desk and was like, 
I think we should start a publishing company. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> At first I was like, I don't know anything about publishing, so I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah, I kind of thought about it a bit and thought, you know, this sounds like a really good challenge. And mm -hmm. um, that, you know, from there, I kind of juggled my role at Horus whilst building up the publishing entity, which then became Anara, and we oh, launched yeah. that in 2017. I'm interested in in, in getting uh, more of an insight into Horus because. Um, for for someone from my side of 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 the fence, uh, Horus was a company or is a company that's in a fairly cutthroat area of the business. Um, it's it's up against some fairly big hitters in that space. I think there's a lot of you know it's it's a bit of a a race for you know to find as many uh people to sign up as possible so kind of who are horus for those who don't necessarily know um and yeah and kind of what what is it like being at a kind of digital distribution company um of that kind of size in that marketplace yeah so horus is a distribution label services company and we've been going since 2006 so last year we celebrated our 15 year anniversary um, and yeah, I think that, like you said, it is a very competitive market, but what sort of at Horus we really pride ourselves on is one being really accessible for people to like pick up the phone and actually speak to real human beings here right. in the office or um, wherever we are um, yeah. in the world where a lot of sort of people, it's, you know, it's hard to get in touch with people and get right real answers and stuff like that. So we really pride ourselves on uh, customer service and being able to actually be approachable and get sort of a straight answer out mm -hmm. of um but also like focus on different markets so horus has a really strong presence across um india nigeria opened an office in brazil last year as well and thinking about um where there's opportunities to help our clients artists labels like grow their music outside of the major okay. markets across uk europe us mm -hmm. So how many, how big is, is the company now? How many people do you have, roughly speaking, obviously? <laughs> Employees, yeah. um, I'm thinking off the top of my head now. Um, Again, very, very, think, very roughly. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's about 30 of us globally sort of working across um, okay. Horus and Anara. Um, and how many, how many artists? Because is Horus a uh, kind of a sign up? service a bit like your dittos and your distro kids or is it a yeah is we it more have of an application service so we have both models so there's the um subscription service where anyone can kind of go on the website and sign up and pay 20 pound a year and have unlimited distribution mm -hmm. and there's different like tiers depending on um maybe if you're a manager that have like multiple artists and things like that we have different accounts mm -hmm. um and then there's also the custom music tools account where um that's more on like an invite only basis um, with different kind of like deal terms and things like that. But you get like a dedicated client manager and marketing and all of that kind of stuff. So it, you know, catered to pretty much everyone in that sense. And what sort of size like catalogue are, are you talking about? Again, very, very roughly. I'm trying to, I guess, yeah. rec recently in, in my capacity, in my other capacities, I've been looking at the service marketplaces fairly significantly from a from a tutor mm -hmm. lecturer perspective and you kind of you start to you start I'm starting to see numbers you know so from for example yeah. the, the from the publishing side of things you see centric music and those guys they've got like 200,000 songwriters 200,000 plus yeah. songwriters signed to them um, your dit dittos distro kids your cd babies are probably much more than that in fact you've probably got kind of half a million plus people signing up to those sorts of services so i'm kind mm. of but obviously there's there's such a broad range of those companies out out there now and and you know on a really on the basic level all of them 
do that that one thing of they get your music onto Spotify, and but then then it's about the nuances that come with it, and it's about like if you if you're saying that you've got kind of a real strong push to be able to talk to people, if you need that, then obviously you can't do that if you've got five hundred thousand people signed. Yeah, up yeah, like definitely. So, We're definitely um, sort of thinking about again, like the last conversations that I've had with the distribution team processing like a few thousand releases a month um, and yeah, kind of growing from there. Um, I think like the past few years, it's it's really through the pandemic and stuff, like the numbers just shot up incredibly. <laughs> and, what, yeah. and, and what was your specific role there? So I was, yeah, I was head of client services. So I essentially made sure that all of our, kind of like releases went out to all of the metadata standards stepped by all of the stores and would monitor that and if there was any issues I was kind of there on hand to liaise with all of the DSPs and make sure that you know it was a very metadata driven job which people think is very boring but it's very important kind of yeah it's what we're all basing <laughs> yeah. everything on at the moment um, yeah. so so as from, yeah. from yeah. the clients that you you're talking about there are very much the spotify's the deezers the the apples yeah, and yeah. things like I that i also yeah i also kind of oversaw like the customer relations side of things as well so if there was any issues with any of our artists or labels i'd kind of like oversee that as well at any point if i needed to step in and what's what kind of what what can you fr from that beginning and something that we'll probably get onto with the NR and publishing side of things? What what insights into the world of metadata and things like that can you can you talk about at the moment? You know how important is it still? How are people still getting it wrong? Um, yeah, yeah, so important. I think that it's. It affects sort of everything that you do day to day. And I think that um, it definitely um, means that I'm a little bit more thorough, I think, in like day to day stuff now. But, you know, just basic things like making sure that ISRCs are accurate and you're not assigning a new ISRC when you're using the same song and just like little bits and bobs like that, making things that making sure that everything's consistent everywhere. Um, yeah, I think data is a massive part of everything that we do um, in publishing as well mm -hmm. and sort of making sure that everything marries up. I'm sure that you have the same experiences with the writers and artists that you're working with and making sure that they're keeping you up to date with everything as soon as they release a song and all of that. It's, I think it's, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm still in that world of figuring out the best practice to do it. I think my, my publishing company is still, still very much a baby in that sense mm -hmm. i'm only well i i launched like seven months ago so oh, still very very new um and you're forever i'm forever kind of going is this the best way of doing it is this the way that i should be doing it now is it is is this the right spreadsheet to be using does this yeah. have the right information <laughs> on it um what else do i need um yeah. and i'm forever having to and i'm sure you are as well to a degree with with the Inara stuff, as well as the horror stuff, is that you're you're working with a very with a quite a wide range of artists, artists who have experience of of self releasing of doing stuff for themselves, and artists that are desperately looking for someone to help out with all of that, so they can just get on with with the fun stuff of you know making yeah. music and writing and stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're f forever kind of trying to find the best way of of engaging with them, the best way of keeping a flow of information backwards and forwards. I'm, I'm sure that's something that you've you've got um, <laughs> you've got some experience in as well. I mean, any tips and tricks? By all <laughs> means, feel free to 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 pass them on. Yeah, I think everyone is kind of in the same boat, really. And I unfortunately have to be the boring one in the team that is always going back to our writers saying like come on send me your ISRCs or like what's the release date for this song or you know have you got split sheets who is the other co-writer on this like that's my job and I end up being the one that they're like oh here she goes again <laughs> I just want to talk about sync and all the creative stuff but yes. yeah it's it, you know it's so important I think to get it right it means that you know you're going to get paid your royalties and everything's going to flow properly and you know it is important to, to have all of this in place how much, what's the interconnectivity between Horus and Anara? 
like how does it because i know you're obviously kind of sister companies but do you automatically work with the stuff that horus is working with is it like part of the of a of a package that gets offered from horus or do, do you guys operate quite separately Yes. So actually, when we were talking in the very early days of, you know, how we were going to start a publishing company and where it was going to sit in with Horus and stuff, I made a very conscious decision that I didn't want to just take on all of the music that Horus was um, representing, you know, if you're thinking like 200, 300,000 songs or something like that. It's quite a lot to have to, you know, doing the admin side of things, you could probably sort of handle that sort of large volume with technology and things like that. But having the connection with the music for me when i you know when we were starting anara i wanted to work with artists and music that i really connected with and i really loved Mm -hmm. so it was important to me that we kind of kept a more niche like boutique roster where we could actually get involved day to day with you know the songwriting process and we could actually focus on pitching the music for lots of sync opportunities rather than kind of just being like a one-stop shop with you know so many songs at the beginning it was just me so it wouldn't be possible for me to pitch you know 200,000 songs to sync opportunities just you know never going to work so we decided that we were going to make something a little bit more bespoke obviously like I talk to the guys at Horus every day we share an office so we're always like passing uh, artist recommendations backwards and forwards to each other mm-hmm. um but for us at Anara like we wanted to keep it a little bit smaller um so that's how um, it's kind of set up. Do you have a a roster size in mind that's kind of where you want to get to? Because this is something that I thought about and have thought about and continue to think about, that I, I've got that same mindset that I don't... I, I, I see the benefits of big catalogues. You know, I was going to say that it was an interesting way that you went down that road rather than... Well, if we if we work with everybody, then we'll have a giant catalogue, which means we'll be able to offer economies of scale and actually build different types of relationships. But what you're saying is actually you wanted the relationship to be with the music. And so, yeah, you know, I just felt that like when I was having conversations with music supervisors and things like that, building those relationships that they appreciated that, you know, we knew all of the, like, I know all of the songs in the catalogue and I know all of the artists and they can come to us and know that they're going to get a very specific kind of like search or playlist from us because, you know, we know everything that we've got rather than kind of trying to just be a one size fits all. Like we know what we do and we do it really well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So do you have a, like a number, oh, yeah, a number, right. number in mind, you know, and I th- for me, it's, it's, art. it's been, it's a number of artists. I know how many artists I mm-hmm. think I can manage and I know how many artists that possibly like a small team could manage Mm. um do you have that number at all (laughs) i haven't ever put a number on it i probably should (laughs) um but yeah i just i think we are kind of at a size now where we're slowing down a lot on new artist signings like we know that we're kind of at a good size where we've got like a really good range of artists in different genres and different styles and stuff and there's enough for us to be able to pitch to lots of different things. Um, but again, like I always just, you know, I, I'm never gonna close off and say like, okay, but well, that's it now, we're not signing anyone else because you never know what's gonna like land in your inbox exactly. or get sort of submitted to you. So whilst we're kind of like, we're not as active in trying to get, you know, new signings, we've always kind of got our ears open and if it's the right person, then we'll definitely go for it. A big part of what I wanted to talk about in this was was starting a music publishing company. And you said that you kind of you you had that conversation um, when you didn't know really what starting a music publisher was. So, yeah. how long did it take you from kind of that initial I think we need to start a publisher to kind of being up and running and being confident as a as a publishing mm. company? I think initial, I think it took about a year to actually kind of launch Anara from that first initial conversation, maybe even a little longer because during that period we then needed to find someone 
to take over my role at Horus. So right. I was kind of doing like lots of yeah, yeah. stuff all at once. Um, so it would, you know, that as part of that process, it was probably about 18 months. And in that time, I just sort of like, I went to every MPA event that I possibly could, every seminar and did as much research as possible. Again, not trying to figure out, you know, what are the core things that a publisher does and what can we do and where do we fit in to mm -hmm. that um, ecosystem and what can we offer that's gonna, you know, help the artists and, and be like, you know, be a good fit for them. So, so yeah. And what were what were the answers to some of those questions? You know, because you know, as, as I said, there's there's not like one way of doing it. So it's inter I'm interested to see kind of when you were kind of looking at all the various things that you could be offering in much mm. the same way as you've made that decision to to kind of focus on the music and have a real kind of detailed understanding of the music that you were working with. What were the, some of the other kind of we've got to do this well, we've got to offer this. Yeah, as, as... yeah, I think, yeah, coming from like the distribution background, I knew that like the admin side of things was going to be really important and we needed to make sure that, you know, we got that right and learning how all of that works takes a lot of time, you know, understanding all of the different collection societies and PROs and different territories and like, you know, do you, do you try and handle all of that yourself or do you look to have like an admin partner or, you know, making all of those decisions and making sure that, you know, everything was going to flow through properly and we were going to, you know, get the artists their royalties and all of that. Yeah. And then I, th I think like sync was kind of one of the big things I went on one of the LA sync missions that the BPI MPA mm -hmm. put together and kind of started to explore that field. I knew that, you know, that would be a really good way to obviously grow our artists careers and get them some new opportunities and things like that. So I think we focused mainly on sync for a little while and um, try and get that up and running, which, you know, it's a very competitive market as well. Like it takes a lot of time to understand yep. how that all works and try and get some success and all of that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, we've kind of evolved um, over the past couple of years um, and started doing more of the like A&R co-writing, songwriting camp side of things. But that wasn't really something that I thought about in the beginning. Um, especially to kind of just be like a one-man band, mm -hmm. can't really do it all. So, so did you did you go for the sign up to every collection society yourselves? And we have, yeah. And how so we have now? With? We did have an admin partner like very um, early on, but I actually can't. Um, I think again through so with Horus everything that they do we have direct deals with all of the dsps we don't go through any middlemen and that's always been like an ethos of the company because we don't want um you know lots of people in the chain taking a cut from the artist royalties it just doesn't make sense and it's not fair mm -hmm. um so we want to operate on as many deductions uh, as little deductions as possible along the chain so it was kind of like keeping that in mind when starting an era that i wanted to do things the same way but also sort of figuring out that in publishing it's way more complex than kind of just like connecting the pipe to the DSPs. There's so many like pieces of the puzzle. So we did use an admin partner at the beginning, just while it was just me because to try and focus on that and do all of the sync side of things and, you know, trying to find the artist to sign and all that kind of stuff. It just kind of made sense in the beginning. But we actually sort of like, I just got frustrated that there was people then that I had to keep chasing to do stuff that I knew that you know I'd probably be able to sort it out myself right yeah um, and there's issues you know and songs are being registered incorrectly and things like that I'm just like you know I want to just take ownership of this and do it myself and make sure that it's done right um so that you know or again just thinking about our writers and making sure that they're getting their their mm -hmm. royalties so so yeah we took the decision to start going direct with with all of the PROs and we're still kind of chopping away at sort of doing that across the world and um, we have all of the major markets covered so far. And was that for you, was that a gradual process? Did you go, right, we've got the UK market and in theory, there is there is a, a relationship between the UK PROs and all the and all the rest of them. So we could yeah. kind of leave it up to their relationships yeah. before we started going down that road or yeah. kind of all... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think it. I definitely went down that route. It's like at least, you know, there is a process in place and though you know because of the reciprocal agreements and stuff but then 
I'm always thinking about how can I make this process even better or more efficient? Like, mm-hmm. what can we do? Can and sort of navigating like, is it possible to join a PRO in that country? Do we need to have like a local office, or can we do it from here? And just kind of like figuring all of that out. Did you did you base how you did that on on the royalty? distributions you were getting so did you kind of see that there was huh there's quite a lot of money coming from Germany maybe we should go straight to to the guys at Gima yeah 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 I think yeah some of that and then like also thinking about like where our writers were based and where their home territories were and making sure that you know we could collect properly Mm -hmm. over there and yeah just thinking about you know what markets make sense for us right now and and also like who is the yeah where's the best relationship going to be so from an A&R perspective then, you've always been about like just finding as much talent from all over the place as possible. What was, what's been the strategy from your side of things as, as the person who's steered the Inara ship? How did, how did you grow your roster? Did you yeah. have an idea about who and what you wanted to, to work with as you went along? Um, I think at the end of the day, like it always just comes back to personal preference, doesn't it? I'm sure that you're the same. Like if you really, really love the music, then you just kind of like, you just know, and it's a really subjective decision. I think like the catalogue and the artists that we're working with has kind of evolved over the, over the course of like, we, we turned five this year. So I think over the last five years, like it has kind of, as you kind of get to see like, trends or things that work or stuff like that we definitely kind of started to identify that maybe we need some of this kind of music or maybe mm-hmm. we need you know a bit more of this and um but yeah just trying to like keep things as sort of like diverse as possible making sure that we had like a good mix of both male and female writers and you know people from lots of different backgrounds different places of the world mm-hmm. um so yeah, I've never really like sat down and thought like, oh, I just want to work with this genre or whatever. It's I don't think that works more... for publishing, especially if sync yeah. is your is is kind of a big uh, focal point when it comes to the yeah. to the creative side of things. From my, you know, I've I've worked in and around sync for like twenty years now, which makes me feel really really old. But um, but yeah, that what one of the things that I always see is that you you, you need something for every every question that comes in i am um, mm. my first job after university um, was for a management company that had a very that had a, a small label services department so they worked with a lot of djs and producers who who had their own like little record companies so they did a lot of track licensing i did a lot of stuff with ministry of sound and things like that but at the same mm. time they had a small publishing entity as well um, but the music that they were using was very 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 niche and very very one niche as well so you would I would be running around London constantly getting briefs in and then anything that wasn't basically house music I had nothing for very yeah. very little for it and so you can't do anything with that and so you think well I'm busting yeah. my ass and I, I can't even offer the music so you have to kind of keep it eclectic yeah yeah i think like it's just like a learning process as well like you kind of figure out sort of it we you know we've signed stuff that's that's quite left field and then you think that you know that's really going to stand out in the market and we're going to have loads of opportunities for it and then you kind of realize that okay maybe there's not the appetite for that kind of music these days and you know trends move on and stuff like that so so yeah but like a lot of people say to me like oh should I write music for sync or should I write you know music for this specific thing and I always you know say to our writers or any any artist or anyone that I'm talking to like the best thing is just to be authentic to yourself and you know just make yeah. music that you you're passionate about and then find someone like us that is also passionate about it because that is just gonna you know resonate with with so many more people if it's more of like a natural connection rather than you know I can passionately picture all of our artists out there because I genuinely do love their music right. so I think that you yeah. know that's really important rather than saying you know like we you know we haven't got any hip-hop so let's go out and get some hip-hop or something like that
What do you look for in artists? Are you are you all about the analytics? Are you or are you just listening to music constantly and going, I like this, and whether they've got one uh, monthly listener on Spotify or whether they've got one million, it doesn't matter. Yeah, good question. Somebody asked me this yesterday as well. Um, I think like at the core of it is for me, it's all about the music. If I listen to it and think like, yeah, I really like this, then. I want to take the conversation forward. Obviously, like, you know, stats, analytics and things like that, they're important when you're thinking of things from a business perspective. But I think, like, when it comes to sync and things like that, it's not necessarily the be-all and end-all that the artist has, you know, 100,000 monthly listeners on Spotify or something like that. Like you said, if the song is right for the spot, it's right for the spot. Mm -hmm. So who are we kind of to say that, like, you know, we liked your music, but you haven't got big enough numbers, so we're going to say no. So in that case, like, we've got, like, a really wide range of people who have, you know, got small numbers, got yeah. bigger numbers. Um, but, yeah, for us, it's definitely... It's about the music and also about, like, having a good relationship with the writer and the artist as well and sort yeah. of having that initial conversation with them and thinking, like, you know, we've got a really good connection and that's actually a way that we can come in and integrate as part of your team and actually, you know, push you as a writer and, and help you along the way. I think mm -hmm. that's the most important thing. And does that extend to the kind of the, the business relationships that you've got going with with the artists as well? I mean, I'll, I'll rephrase that. As, as a publisher that's kind of been born out of a digital distribution company where your contractual relationships are they're not like traditional record deals. Are your publishing mm. deals not like traditional publishing deals or do you do kind of a little bit of both? A little bit of both. So I, you know, I want things to be as fair as possible for the artists at the end of the day, like that's what we should all be striving for and it's mm. their music and, you know, um, we try and be kind of as flexible as we possibly can be in the scope of what we do, but obviously like, there are certain things that we need in place in the contract to be able to do our job so that, you know, things aren't going into conflict anywhere or, um, you know, that we can confidently pitch something for sync and know that there's not multiple people kind of trying to take a piece of the pie or pitching the same thing. So, so yeah, um, obviously like we're trying to do like a little bit of a hybrid model, I suppose, mm -hmm. compared to like a traditional publisher versus someone you know, you mentioned like centric where you know they've got a huge amount of, of catalog and you they've got twenty eight days and yeah, yeah. yeah and it's you know it's kind of um, as and when yeah it's a little bit more long term than that but not like for life. Are you are you, are you know, as as a as a publisher that is only five years old and like music publishing is kind of arguably the the old timer part of the industry? <laughs> have you got kind of are you trying to do things? differently kind of more in a more modern way rather than going well we just need to offer those exclusive songwriter deals like everybody has yeah. done for the past 50 odd years are you trying specifically yeah, I, to yeah. try and do things a bit differently definitely yeah i think you know thinking about where we're at these days and the, the needs of the artists and the writers are kind of changing as well was something that yeah when we were sort of starting and i were thinking about like we don't have to just go along with everything that people do already like why can't we look at things a little bit differently i think we've always been like that you know with horus and and anara like you don't just have to stick to the status quo maybe there's you know ways that we can do things better and mm -hmm. a little bit fairer and india as well your relationships there you meant you mentioned that i'm guessing that's that's born out from from what from what horus has been doing as well that you kind of that horus as a company built relationships in those parts of the world so it's kind of an obvious thing that you were going to be doing yeah it's been kind of have a yeah. really strong link in that part of the world because it, it does come through with everything that you guys are doing that like no this is this is the usp in in the <laughs> kind of way that it's it's the it's the thing that sets you apart from from many yeah, other definitely. companies that relationship so how how's that going and does it work both ways as well are you are you firing you know western artists in into the into the the busy world of of music yeah. in india yeah it's been incredible um it's 
been like such a journey sort of working in the Indian music market and it originally just came about quite organically really because at the same time that I was working on launching Anara mm-hmm. that's when Horus was opening its office in India um, and the ladies who were running Horus India at that time would just sort of send me all of the artists they were working with or that they knew in their networks and just naturally um, you know I was getting all of this incredible music and just like we have to do something with these guys and sort of figuring out that there was no real publishing infrastructure over there at the time you know all the labels were just taking publishing rights but not actually doing anything with it um so we wanted to go like i just wanted to go in and make a difference like you said like um and actually a lot of the work that we've been doing over in india has been an educational thing to actually show the artists over there that they have publishing rights and this is what they are and this is the money that you're kind of missing out on and Mm -hmm. you know whether it's us or going through someone else but like you know the important thing for me is just like helping them because no one was really really doing that um but yeah it's been incredible we're working now with um 15 writers over there across like different genres and different languages and you know a lot of these guys are making like incredible like english pop music or electronica and stuff like that and it's just like this music needs to be heard outside of india too. i was gonna like, say what it. what is happening musically in india because for the yeah, yeah, for, I mean, for the uneducated, you immediately think everybody's listening to Bollywood, and I know that's <laughs> that's a terrible thing to say, but it's a massive industry. A yeah, massive absolutely. Industry, but it's not the only industry, musical industry. Yeah, and you know. Yeah, it, so industry. obviously, like you know, Bollywood is still huge. Yeah. Can't ignore that, <laughs> um, and it'll always probably be be number one. But there is like a massive non-film kind of independent scene going on as well, uh, ranging from, you know, people that are sort of doing like Hindi pop or English pop and all this kind of stuff. There's a big like EDM scenes, quite a big kind of like metal, jazz, like literally everything. Like there's it's it was hugely eye opening to mm-hmm. me. Like, you know, I was in that position where I was thinking, you know, like Bollywood kind of sounded music and then yeah got to kind of be a bit more integrated in the scene and was meeting all of these artists and yeah it's just um it's been amazing to sort of start working with them and and yeah kind of helping build a bit of a publishing infrastructure over there and making things be a bit more fair and you know we've joined IPRS one of the first like non-Indian companies to do that to make sure that you know our rights are being taken care of properly there and I'm constantly chasing them making sure that you know everything's in place and and yeah and then also like looking at sort of like the sync side of things there was no sync or there's you know nothing like a music supervisor over there mm-hmm. the deals that were being structured was very like because of the Bollywood side of things was that everything was the production house gets a song created they pay some money and then they own it forever yeah and obviously like going in there and we've started now being able to do some sync licenses shaking things up yeah and just what just you know obviously like we're not trying to change the way that things always have been you know we're not trying to like walk away from that like you know culturally and everything the way that things were and and with bollywood is very important you know that is um a huge industry we're not trying to necessarily like disrupt it but just been working with um a lot of production houses and just introducing them to the idea of, of sync and how actually it probably saved them a bit of time and be mm-hmm. a bit more efficient and yeah, yeah. and you know there's this huge like i said a huge scene of amazing musicians that are releasing music and you could use that in you know and elevate your brands or your tv series and things like that and sort of build that audience that way so so yeah it's been like i, I won't lie it's been a challenge <laughs> it's been well it's quite, you a, know, having... it's quite a big country so is it I yeah mean, <laughs> i guess is it is 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 the opportunities are they localized in certain places or do you kind of have to you know go all over the place like you would do for instance in somewhere like america where you know you can't just have one office in the u.s you have to have your north, yeah. your west coast, your east coast, and your mm. Nashville, or you know something in the middle somewhere. Is it is it similar in India, or is it much more localized? 
Um, I think like we're still very much at the beginning of the journey in that respect in terms of like regional music. Um, obviously like a lot of stuff is happening out of Mumbai, which is where, you know, when I go over, I spend a lot of time. We've got a few people based in Delhi, um, a few artists based in Delhi and then a few kind of others scattered around. But like, we know that this is still the beginning of the journey in mm -hmm. terms of working across the whole country. Um, but, you know, let's sort of start, let's look at, you know, Mumbai, Delhi, the production houses there, what content's being created and, and just start, start from there, really. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I wanted to, to pick your brains about is your relationship, the work that you do with the MPA. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you're part of or you're, you work with the Next Gen stuff? Yeah, so I'm co-chair of the Futures Group Committee. That's it. Which, uh, yeah, so basically it sort of encompasses the Next Gen members and we've got like a wider Futures Group membership mm -hmm. of people that have been in the industry for less than 10 years. So it doesn't matter like how old you are necessarily. It's not for like, we're not talking about just young people in the industry. You know, if you've taken a career change in mm -hmm. your forties and you're new to publish it, like we're, we're here for you. Yeah. And really, yeah, just like trying to build a community and network of people. Like I've been in the position where I'm completely new to publishing. I don't live in London and you know, where do I start, you know, building up my network of friends that are in this part of the industry and the connections and making business connections and things like that so so yeah that's kind of our aim obviously like the pandemic has kind of got in the way of a lot of ideas and things that we wanted to do because we haven't been able to kind of do in-person events and stuff but mm -hmm. um but yeah that's um hopefully kicking back off now and and yeah just you know thinking about like what are the barriers when you're trying to get into yeah. this part of the industry and publishing is in itself is so complex as well there's so many different areas um we've done a couple of like um zoom sort of like drop-ins where we've done like a publishing amnesty of you know no question is a silly question kind of thing like come to how you know have the confidence to, to kind of come in and ask any question that you want because you know there's some things that you can think that you're doing right for like years and then you have a conversation with somebody like oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe I should be doing it that way yeah. um but sometimes like it's really hard to to ask someone or like you feel like you have to know the answer to everything so so yeah we're just trying to make this kind of like safe space community and then um you know try and yeah look at things like mental health and how you actually go through this industry and navigate it is sometimes can be really overwhelming mm -hmm. and the expectations that are put on you say like how can we how can we help there? what are some of the the conversations that are coming out of there what are some of the those those no questions or silly questions <laughs> yeah it's but like um a wide range of stuff really they've been like really really good um and we've had like people working across lots of different aspects of the industry from like print to sync a and r mm -hmm. um copyright or you know everything really so that people can get like a really good scope of of how things work across the board um but yeah like you know just offering that space to make sure that these questions can be answered <laughs> it's, it's really important that someone who one of one of the things from from my career that I've always been jealous when I've seen other people um, have it is I've I'd never had that sort of a guide mm. through it. So when I was in my kind of my first job, way 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 back like two thousand and three to two thousand, teeny tiny record company and publisher in in Cambridge we were so small that the, the people that I was working with didn't have the answers that I needed. And that was when I kind of got to a point where I left. Like my one and only trip to Medium was in 2006. So mm. such a long time ago now, but I was, I was basically just the person carrying the CDs at that point. And we were both bumbling through it a little bit. But even, even when I was at Peer Music as the, as the, the sync manager there, um, I was kind of just, I was not in a, in a, in a nice way, left 
to run it the way that I wanted to, which was great, but I didn't ever have that person with a little bit more experience kind of guiding me through the process. Mm -hmm. And now I come to DC Music Publishing and you know I've been teaching publishing. I know, I know the theory very, very well. <laughs> the practice, ever so slightly yeah. different. So, so those people in my position, like having a space where you can interact with other people in the same space as you, ask those questions, find someone that you can kind of get a bit of mentoring past is, is something that, yeah, I think is, is extremely important. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I've been in the same shoes as you as well. And that's why I was so keen to get involved with this initiative and try and like pay it forward now and hopefully speak some sense to people. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully I've taught someone something. <laughs> yes. I'm still waiting on my my M MPA membership to come through. It's been a while oh, and they stopped emailing yeah. me. I keep on asking them, oh. so I'm going to have to chase them up. Um, last question. What's What's ahead? for 2022 what are some of the things specifically for this year that you are uh excited about yeah yeah definitely so we're working on our sort of like back-end tech platform to make things a little bit more streamlined and um so that will that will sort of happen this year um definitely so i'm working on that and again that's a huge project to undertake is that is um, that something again that's kind of you've taken the the horus tech platform and sort of but we've had to rewrite it pretty much from scratch because there's not much sort of like the business processes are just completely different so obviously like um we've decided that's, that's not yeah, a small yeah. or an inexpensive um <laughs> No. You know, that's something from from my perspective that's something that kind of go oh i'd love i'd love my own um yeah my own one like that but that's something a fit, fit so fair play okay cool so that that's yeah. happening this and year then, yeah and then also you know continuing to build um you know always focusing on our writers and figuring out like new music and helping them kind of like do um you know co-writing sessions and grow them that way hopefully get some new music um how are you finding that yeah it's been like it's been an interesting process we've actually like been able to connect together a couple of our writers that are both signed to us like ones in the uk ones in india and they're now writing music together and that's been released and that's been really nice to see and um, build like that connection with them and the song was really well received um, on like Rolling Stone and had the video premiere on VH1 India and all of that kind of stuff. So that's been really nice. But yeah, yeah just like working on that. And then obviously like still growing things in India and also um, Nigeria. We made our first signing in Nigeria last year. So that's a new market for us. Mm -hmm. Again, you know, a challenging market. There's not that much infrastructure there. So that's going to be um, an interesting sort of task for me to take on next. You, you just want to go on holiday, don't you? <laughs> Working <Maybe>. holidays, obviously. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> Smash yourself. Deborah, thank you so much for chatting to me today. Really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks for having me. Massive thank you there to Deborah for giving me an hour or so of her time. As I mentioned, it was a really great conversation and hope to get to meet her face to face sooner rather than later. Um, if you're interested in the things that she talked about or interested in knowing more about Anara, then please do go to their website, anarapublishing.com, or you can find them on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and Spotify under Anara Publishing. That's A-N-A-R-A -A Publishing. Um, as always, thank you very much to Bloompool, who's provided the music. Bloompool is one of the artists that I work with as part of DC Music Publishing. 
Um, if you liked what you heard, uh, find Bloom Pulse two albums and a couple of EPs on Spotify and Instagram under Bloom slash Paul. And he's also got a YouTube channel where he posts a bunch of his own stuff, also a bunch of really cool covers that he does. He also has a pretty successful uh, Spotify playlist called Moonlight Sessions. So go check that out if you like your shoegaze, post-rock, art-pop stuff um, like he does. Um, if you're interested in getting in touch with me, uh, please do go to the DC Music Publishing website, dcmusicpublishing.co.uk. Uh, you will find out everything about what I do and what I can do and what I can't do. I don't think that's really on there. Um, and there's also contact details to get in touch with me via the website. Also find DC Music Publishing on Instagram. Uh, find me on Twitter at Danny Champion or on, on Facebook under DC Music Business. Uh, there's a few more of these to come over the next seven or eight weeks. So yeah, I will speak to you again very, very soon. <laughs>